Actions speak louder than words, right? You and I can say things, but unless those things that we say are backed up by our actions, we're wasting our breath. We can stand here and say, oh God, I love you so much. Oh, I want to do right by you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But if we're not obedient to Him, we're wasting good air. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. First Chronicles chapter 16 is where we'll be this morning. The title of the message this morning is Show and Tell. Show and Tell. In September of 1620, a small ship left Plymouth, England with 102 Puritans on it. They headed west across the North Atlantic to escape religious persecution. Over the next two months, the ship would be battered repeatedly by those strong North Atlantic winter gales. Suffered quite a bit of damage. was badly shaken and beaten. Water leaks continued to spring up. The winds had bent and cracked the main beam of the ship. There were multiple illnesses, seasickness, and even one death. But two months later, November 1620, the survivors dropped anchor at Cape Cod, Massachusetts, in Plymouth Harbor. They were the pilgrims. Over the course of that first winter, they had plans to build 19 homes and all the supporting structures that they would need for the colony. But sadly, after about three months, they only had seven homes built, four common structures to support. But they had 45 freshly dug graves on the hillside there. Nearly half of the group had perished during that first three months. Yet the settlers were thankful. And let me tell you why. God had his hand on them. God had his hand on them. In the spring of 1621, you know they say, it's always darkest right before dawn. Spring of 1621, they made a pact with the local Indians. And with the help of one named Squanto, they learned how to grow crops and how to survive in the New England countryside. Let me show you how God's hand was upon them. Squanto was a member of the Native American tribe that was housed right there at Cape Cod. But seven years before, Squanto had been captured by another explorer and taken to Spain and sold into into, as a servant to the local monks there in Spain. They educated him. They evangelized him. 
He later traveled to England and then back to his home country in 1619, only to find that all the rest of his tribe had died in an epidemic. He arrived one year before the Mayflower back to his native homeland, and he joined up with another tribe that was there. But God worked all that together for good. He was in the right place at the right time. Because of his time in England, he avoided the epidemic that killed everybody else. He learned English while he was there. He learned of the European customs while he was there. And he learned of God. Now, we don't know whether he was a believer or not, but he was exposed to the gospel while he was in Europe. And so, on this side of history, we can look at the events that took place and see the providence of God in working all this together for good. And then in November 1621, 400 years ago this month, they celebrated their first harvest feast. What we will celebrate next week in this country is Thanksgiving. 400 years later, because God had the right people in place at the right time. We truly have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? So much. Our God has blessed us individually. Our God has blessed us as a church. God has blessed us as a country. But so many times we fail to give Him thanks like we ought to do. We take things for granted. God is not pleased when we fail to thank Him. He's not pleased. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 1 of Romans in the part that Paul was writing about where God's wrath being poured out on sinful humanity. And in verse 21 of that chapter, Paul writes, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. You see, when we fail to give God thanks, He's not pleased. And we're reminded in Ephesians, I mentioned in the, in the prayer earlier, we're reminded that we're supposed to give God thanks for everything and at all times. The second half of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and then on through verse 20 says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But let's be honest, sometimes it's easier than others. How easy do you think it was for those pilgrims to give thanks in mid-February 1621? When they're supposed to be trying to build houses to move on to shore. And supplies are running low. And they watch as family member after family member, friend after friend pass away and they have to dig graves. And bury them in the place of promise. They were supposed to have good luck. But it wasn't starting out that way. With the cold north wind blowing and those low gray clouds hanging in February, I'm sure it was hard to give thanks as they buried their loved ones and their friends. But we need to always be thankful in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. When we think about giving God thanks, we think about how we can exhibit thankfulness to God. What are some ways that we do that? We're going to look at this passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 this morning. And learn some ways and think about some ways that we can give God thanks. 
Now let's look there, starting in 1 Chronicles 16, we're going to start about verse 8 and read through to verse 34. God's Word says this, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him, sing praise to Him, tell of all His wondrous acts. Glory in His holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in His strength, seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. O descendants of Israel, His servant, O sons of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with Abraham, the oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but a few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no man to oppress them. For their, for their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in, in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn this morning from this passage some ways that we should give you praise and give you thanks and how to have a grateful heart and some of the things that should be evident when we give you the, the honor and the praise and the thanks that's due to you. Father, hide me behind the cross Speak through me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the earlier chapters, by way of a little bit of background to kind of get you up to speed where we are in this chapter 16, David had been on the run from King Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. You know, Saul was consumed with jealousy and he knew that David was anointed and he was losing hold. So he was trying to kill David. And then Saul finally takes his own life. And all of Israel comes together behind David. And they come together behind him. And they anoint him as their king. And they say, we want to be with you, David. 
The Ark of the Covenant representing the very presence of God had been taken into the battlefield over the years. And the Philistines had captured it and they kept it for a while and then they returned it. But the Ark was about nine or ten miles from Jerusalem is where it was housed. And David had in his mind he wanted to bring it back to Jerusalem, back to the capital, back to its proper place, back to the heart of Israel. He made a set up a tent for it and they brought it in with praise and celebration and thanksgiving and set it up in its proper place in the heart of the country. In that same way when God's presence, when God's spirit is invited into our hearts where it should be, there should be praise, there should be celebration, there should be thanksgiving. We think about giving God thanks what are some ways that we can exhibit gratitude toward God as we enter into this Thanksgiving season? What are some things that are involved when we truly give God thanks? I've chosen to use the letters of the title of our message, Show and Tell, to make our points this morning. To highlight some of the ways we can give God thanks. The first letter of the word show is the letter S. It should be pretty obvious there. Sing praises. If we're going to show God thankfulness, we need to be singing His praises. Look at verse 9 of our text. It says, sing to Him, sing praise to Him. Singing is very important. It's a very important part of giving God thanks. Listen to what someone else wrote about singing. It says, singing rises out of the essence of our souls. We don't have to be trained singers or gifted in singing to raise our voices and hearts to Him in praise. Our thankfulness in the song will lift His name in the presence of saints and sinners. We never know how God will use our singing of personal testimonies to bring someone to Jesus, and that's so true. When you're troubled, when you're down, singing praises to God will lift you up as it exalts Him as well. You think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16 when they were in prison. They were in a pretty tough spot. In chains, in prison. The scripture says about midnight they began to sing hymns and to pray. And all the other prisoners in the jail heard it. And then there was an earthquake. And the jail shook. And the chains fell off. And the doors flew open. And through that experience the Philippian jailer was saved. Singing praises to God not only expresses our thanks to Him, but He can use that, that singing of praises, that the fruit of our lips to bring others closer to Him. There was a missionary in India, and I've told this story before, by the name of Edward Scott. He had been a missionary in, in India, and he saw a rugged-looking man in town. And he asked, what's this guy? Where is he from? He was told he was from a remote tribe up the mountain. And they didn't know Jesus. So he set his heart upon reaching those people for the Lord. He got his expedition together. And as he went up the mountain, he met a war expedition of those, those guys coming down. About 30 of them in number with spears. Dr. Scott was a violinist. He carried his violin with him everywhere he went. And he knew he was about to die. As 30 men stood there with spears right at his heart. Dr. Scott closed his eyes and he played on that violin and sang in their native tongue, all hail the power of Jesus' name. 
knowing that any minute he was going to meet his maker. After he got to the third stanza and nothing happened, he opened his eyes. And those 30 rugged men had dropped their spears. And tears were running down their face. Singing those praises touched those people. He was invited back to their village and he shared with them for two years, bringing most of them to Christ. Singing praises to God should be part of us showing God thankfulness. But the second thing that I would mention to you, it involves the heart. If we're going to give God the thankfulness that He deserves, it involves our heart. That's the second letter of the word show. H is heart. Giving thanks involves our heart. Look at verse 10 of our text there. It says, Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. You can't sing praises to God if it's not from your heart. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's a matter of the heart. Matthew 5 and verse 18 says, The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. So I have to ask you this morning, what comes out of your mouth? Because what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. Are you always complaining about things? Or do the words that you speak clearly show your thankfulness and your gratefulness to God? Does your love for Jesus come out in your conversation? Sometimes that's a challenge for us. When things don't go our way. When you and I become a child of God by faith in Jesus, everything becomes new, including our heart. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Do you have a heart of stone? As you examine your own life, How's your heart? I woke up Saturday morning and sent Connie a text. I had this song running through my head. I said, have you printed the bulletins yet? I woke up with the song we just sang running through my head. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. So we had to do a little switching out on the bulletin. How's your heart? Is it a grateful heart? As we sang earlier, because Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. When we give God thanks and we sing praises to Him, it involves our hearts. Is your heart grateful? Look at verse 10. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Does your heart rejoice? The third thing, the third letter of that word show is the letter O. Stands for obedience. When we're truly grateful and truly thankful to God, we'll be obedient to Him. Y'all know Jody Erickson Tata. You familiar with her? Quadriplegic since she was a young lady. Jody said this. She said, Giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. This from a woman who can't move from the neck down. 
Giving thanks is a command. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Actions speak louder than words, right? You and I can say things. But unless those things we say are backed up by our actions, we're wasting our breath. We can stand here and say, oh God, I love you so much. Oh, I want to do right by you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But if we're not obedient to Him, we're wasting good air. It's meaningless. 2 John 1 and verse 6 says, And this is love that we walk in obedience to His commands. If we're thankful to God, truly thankful, we'll be obedient to Him. You know, in the previous chapters, David wanted to bring the ark back to the heart of the country, back to the heart. But they did it the wrong way the first time. They didn't obey God's commands. You remember they put the ark on a cart and they had an ox pull it. And the ox stumbled. And Uzziah reached out to steady it on the cart. And the Lord struck him down dead. And David realized after that first time that they had not been obedient to God. So they did it right the second time. He had the Levites carry it on the poles on their shoulders. And they came in and they celebrated singing praises from the heart because they were being obedient to the Lord. The fourth thing that should be evident if we give God the proper thanks and give God His due should be evident in our worship, how we worship Him. W, worship. We show Him how thankful we are by how we worship. If we're a child of God, He loves us and we've passed from death unto life. Nothing can separate us from His love. We're secure in His hands. And we worship Him because we're grateful for that. He is worthy of praise. Look at verse 25 of our text. It says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. And then Hebrews 12 and verse 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. How's your worship? Do you worship God in reverence and awe? Can God tell by your worship that you're thankful to Him? That's a challenging question sometimes. Can God tell by my worship? Can He tell by your worship that you're thankful? Can other people tell by your worship that you're thankful to God. We can be known by our thankfulness by how we worship. And then the last thing, we, if we're going to give God the praise and the honor and the glory that He deserves, we should be singing His praises from the heart. We should be obedient. We should be worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And the last thing we should tell Tell others what God has done. Look at verse 9. It says, sing to Him, sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wondrous, wonderful acts. And then verse 24, that same chapter. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. 
We should be showing and telling. I've spent the last two weeks showing and telling. As we prepared for surgery the other week and we were standing in the pre-op room and the nurses were there and the doctor came in. I said, Doc, can we pray with you? She said, sure. And I prayed. I said, God, this is our daughter. But more importantly, she's your daughter. Guide these surgeons' hands. Guide the nurses. And we went to the waiting room and we waited for what seemed like an eternity. And they called us every hour like they said they would. Doctors, there were other surgeries going on on the board. You could see everybody had a number. And doctors began to come out to talk to other families and tell them, surgery's okay, everything's good, you can come back to recovery. And we sat there, we waited, and we waited, and the crowd cleared out. And finally, it was just, just the two of us, Renee and I sitting there in the waiting room, waiting on the word from our daughter. And the lady, we dozed off. We, we were just, the emotion, it just, the adrenaline worn off, we dozed off for a second. And the lady came through, Battler family, Battler family. <laughs> Somebody couldn't write. It looked like B-A-T-L-E-R. And we jolted. And she said, Dr. Mayberry wants to see you in the consultation room. Nobody else went in the consultation room. So we went in there and we sat. And as I sat there, worried, I prayed, Lord, prepare me for what I'm about to hear, whatever it might be. We didn't know whether she was going to come in and say paralysis. We didn't know whether she was going to come in and say unsuccessful. We couldn't do what we needed to do. And time just slowed down. You know in the movies how just kind of slow motion kicks in and it drug on. Finally, Dr. Mayberry came in the door. And she's not, she doesn't have a whole lot of facial expression normally anyway. She sat down in the chair in the corner opposite from us. She pulled out the x-ray and she smiled. And we lost it. But we still sensed something wasn't right. She kept looking at that. All of them had little Blackberry phones. They were communicating back and forth. She kept looking at her phone. She said, well, she should be waking up now, but they're having a little trouble getting her aroused like they ought to. So I still was worried. So we went back out in the waiting room, and finally, another, seemed like three days went by. It was only probably five minutes. And the little guy came out and said, okay, she's in recovery, and we just, I want to tell you, don't go in there and just fall all over and, and talk loud. They hadn't told anybody else that. <laughs> uh, so we go back there, and she's, she's asleep, of course, and the nurse begins to ask us, has anybody in your family ever had trouble with anesthesia? No. Well, she's awake, you know, but she's just not waking up as quick as we thought. So we went back out in another waiting room, said, well, we'll let you know when we get her in ICU. So we sat there and sat there. Finally, we get back to... ICU room, they've got her hooked up to all the monitors. And you know, some of y'all been in the hospital, you know on those monitors, green is good, yellow is caution, and red is bad. Well, her blood pressure was pivoting between yellow and red. Blood pressure was low. She lost a lot of blood during surgery. They couldn't give her pain medicine until they got her blood pressure up. 
And we waited and waited. Finally, they gave her a bag of fluid and it started to come up. And the next morning, everything was fine. And I had a story to tell. So the rest of the week as we were down there, I looked for opportunities. I would ask people in the elevator or when I went through the coffee line at the, at the, cafe, at the cafe, how's your day going? And they'd say, fine, how's yours? I'm doing great. And let me tell you why. And I would tell them Claudia's story. I would tell them about how she had had scoliosis since she was nine and how she had worn a brace. But that we were told earlier this year she'd have to have surgery and that they had done the surgery earlier in the week. And I would say, let me show you how good God is. And I would whip out my phone and show them that x-ray. And it was a, a blessing to see those people's facial expressions when they saw that x-ray. But I took that opportunity to show people and tell people about how great our God is. And we're giving Him all the praise and honor and glory for that. You see, even if things had not gone the way they, we were hoping, God would still have been good. We still should have given God praise and glory and honor. We still should give Him thanks when things don't go good. Because He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for you and for me. On that cross. He suffered and bled and was beaten. And he died on that cross. To pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. Pay the price that we couldn't pay. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he raised again on the third day alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father right now. Alive. Interceding for you. And for me. If you're one of His children by faith, Jesus loves you. And we're going to sing Jesus Loves the Little Children this morning as our invitation hymn, as our closing hymn. I thought it would be appropriate. We think about all these shoeboxes that we're going to pray over in just a minute. It's our way of showing the love of Jesus and telling Him about the good things that He can do in their lives. This is your way to show and tell about our Savior. God has, in His providence, brought you here at this point in history to Macon, Mississippi, the Independent Methodist Church. God has brought you here at this point in history, just like I believe He brought Squanto there and had him equipped for what he would be doing. God has equipped you with the ability to pack these boxes and to pray over these boxes. And God has a divine appointment for each and every one of these 83 boxes here. So as the ladies come forward, I, we're going to stand and sing Jesus Loves the Little Children. As we do that, I want you to think about the love that Jesus has for you. If you're not His, today is your day. If you are His, we need to be showing and then we need to be telling people about Him. But as we sing this morning, I want you to think about these 83 children that will get these boxes. And I want you to pray over them as we sing and you think about how God is going to change lives for eternity because He brought you here and equipped you at this point in time to do what you've done to fill these boxes. Let's sing.